This podcast is sponsored by FortuneFavors.ie. FortuneFavors.ie is a home workout equipment store and your one-stop shop for all home gym equipment. They are well known for their adjustable dumbbells, which combine 15 different weights in one dumbbell. They have both 24kg and 40kg adjustable dumbbells. Check the link in the bio of this episode for more information. So you're all very welcome along to the GA Statsman podcast, episode 67. And uh, we're back after a long hiatus. Uh, the last uh, episode I actually had was with Seamus Brady about the All-Ireland Final uh, review show of Kerry and Galway. And um, lo and behold, I'm back here with Seamus again to preview this weekend's Allianz Football League action and as well the, the Glenn Kilbercourt uh, controversy over the last few days. Like a lot of people have been talking about it, so it only made sense that we'll go over it in detail. Before we start the chat, I'd like to remind you all of our sponsors today at fortunefavors.ie. If you use the code STATSBAND11, all caps, you can get 11% off the best home gym equipment around. So again, it's STATSBAND11, 11% off. So first of all, Seamus, uh, how have you been keeping over the last few days? The Alliance League is back. We should be excited, but with all the stuff revolving around the All-Ireland Club final last Sunday, it's a bit different. Yeah, it's uh, good to be back, man. Um, the GA is a very interesting place right now. Yeah, a lot of, <laughs> a lot of controversy, a lot of news. I mean, you mentioned about the Glen and Kilmacro Crows. So we're going to get into that. Just one of the most bizarre situations I've ever seen in the GA. Like it's one of those where you can, like, what are the odds on that happening? Like it, it takes you back to 1995 with Charlie Redman not coming off the pitch. It takes you back to 1998 with the ref blowing up two minutes early and awfully Clare and all the awfully fans sitting on the pitch, loud me, 2010. Like, just the most surreal of circumstances that why would Kilmacud even take the risk of keeping those lads on the pitch? Was it just miscommunication? Did they not even know they'd been taken off? Like, so much variables here. And then at the same time, the Allianz League is coming back, obviously, as the college tournament's on as well. Like, it's just all over the place. The O'Burn Cup, what was going on with that? Like, there's been so much going on in the month of January that it's really hard to keep track of it all, but definitely Kilmacrook Hoax, Wally Grounds Glen is the main story. But um, yeah, buzzing to have the, the league back as well. It's always the 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 signal that the GAA season is about to get back into full swing. Um, and it's really interesting to predict who's going to finish where, who's going to be the breakout stars of each you know league campaign. Obviously last year we had plenty of stars breaking out in the league. The likes of Lee Gannon for Dublin, the likes of Jimmy Hyland for Kildare really put their stamp on it. Um, Armagh, you know, putting Jared Dog Burns back at wing back, like that was one of the finds of the season. It's that type of thing that it's really interesting. It's going to be interesting to see what we learn in the league in 2023. Exactly. So, and uh, yeah, a lot of stuff has happened in January. And uh, before the episode, I was actually going to think about mentioning the retirements of uh, David Moore in the last few days, the Cork LGFA retirements. There's been a low Robbie Coyley's another one who was on this very podcast, episode 19, if you haven't checked out already. But Seeing as this Glenn and Kilbacourt controversy has just taken so much of a hold on our week, like we were just thinking Kilbacourt, All-Ireland champions, deserve to win the game. And then all of a sudden, Morris Brosnan posts a picture on Twitter, rightly so as well. Uh, shout out to him for the pictures. It was absolutely brilliant to get um, an insight into those. But 
Darrell Mullins stayed on the pitch. He was right in the middle of the goal. Paul Mannion was another that stayed right in the side and didn't interfere in the play, but he was still on the pitch. So that made us 17 Kilmacode players were on the pitch in additional time in the last few minutes. And we thought Kilmacode got the Ireland title. Then the the photos were posted. And now it looks as if we are going to a replay. Carl Kane reported last night. Understanding that Glenn have lodged an objection to Crow Park over the results on Sunday's All-Ireland Club Final after discussions this evening. CCC expected to meet within 24 hours to decide a replay the most likely decision, though what Kilmacode will do remains to be seen. This is a mad situation, Seamus. I don't think we've ever encountered this in a club final, ever. Yeah, it's like you put it perfectly. It's just bizarre. What, what were they doing? To me, right, my personal look at it, if you watch it back, right, and I've watched it back a couple of times, First, they bring on um, Tom Fox. They bring on Tom Fox for um, for Paul Mannion. And then Fox goes over to him and Mannion, like Mannion gets the word. Mannion's setting up for the free. You can see him, you know, kind of touch tight to his marker. He's ready for the ball to come in. And then he gets word that he's coming off. And you can see him being a little bit like, what? Like, why are you taking me off with five seconds left to play? Um, and then... From his reaction, I don't think the communication was that good between the Kilmacud lads on who was coming off and who was staying on. And then Connor Casey runs on. And I can kind of understand why you'd bring on Connor Casey because he's a big lad, he's a midfielder. They know that Glenn are going to just fire a high ball into the square on top of a Connor Glass or Emma Bradley. And Connor Casey standing beside them, you know, he could go up and compete with them in the air. But Again, why not bring him on a little bit sooner? Like, his first play of the game, like, you're going to make it that crucial? Like, because he's a bit cold. He might be a bit, not rusty in the sense, but, like, he's not in the game. Like, he, like if you play a guy yourself, you know that, you know, you need a couple of plays in the game to really warm up and get to the pace of the game. Hit the first play of the game, you're going to throw him into the penalty box, you know, when your club all Ireland is on the line. Like, that just didn't really make sense to me. But then on top of that, Darren Mullen positions himself right on the goal line. And not at any point in the replay did I see anyone really go up to him and say, here, you're you're off. Like, And just nothing really happens there. Like, just bizarre situation. Why would you even... But the other thing as well, what's the fourth official doing? What, like, you literally have one job. You literally have one job. You look at who is coming off and who is going on. And somehow he managed to mess it up and not have Darren Mullen come off when he should have came off. And Glenn have absolutely every right to, you know, appeal that decision. I think it should be a replay because you can't have people getting away with this. And I think the GAA got very, very lucky in 1995 with the whole Charlie Redmond situation. I know we're going back literally decades, but if you think about it, Dublin played an All-Ireland final against Tyrone. They won by one point. And one of Dublin's best players in Charlie Redmond stayed on the pitch. I think it was 10 minutes after he'd been sent off. And, like, Dublin won by a point. Like, if you look at that situation, you say, right, how close were the next few All-Ireland finals? Meath Mayo, the next year, went to a replay. Like, things like that where you're saying, it, it surprises me that other teams didn't try and get away with situations like that keeping an extra player on the pitch and then being like, oh, sorry, we'll take him off now. Because Dublin got away completely scot-free. So the GA has to lay down a marker that, like, look, 
We cannot let teams get away with this. I don't care if you meant it or not. I don't think Croaks meant it as like a, as a you know deliberate method of cheating. I think because they would have, they would surely know that there would be blowback like this for it. I think it was just very poorly mismanaged and miscommunicated in that moment. And I think the two lads didn't really know that they'd been taken off in Mullen and Mannion because on top of that. You're taking off Darren Mullen and Paul Mannion, like two of their best five players. And like, yeah, I feel like it just wouldn't have made sense to them why they were coming off. But the GEA has to crack down on this and has to make it very, very clear. We cannot have this type of behavior creeping into the GEA or else teams like with diving, like with cynical fouling, teams will master it and they'll master how to get away with it. So the GEA has to unfortunately make an example of chemical croaks and make them play the replay i feel awful for the likes of shane cunningham and i feel awful for the likes of dan o'brien who played their heart out in this game and and, you know got the victory and an incident like this means they're going to have to play it again exactly so like uh, when he looked at the game entirely uh and even look at stats and everything surrounded the game kilbacote were the much better team we were seeing this off air there was no doubt about that but the fact they leave on the two subs, like Darren Mullen and Paul Mannion, they're excellent players, and it is a surprise to them being brought off. But my question as well, and it just popped into my head um, just this moment, Crow Park has probably one of the loudest public announcer speakers in the country. How come them players couldn't hear their names when they were called off? You know, on the fourth yeah, official, you're absolutely correct as well. And the referee as well, Derek O'Mahony, I don't know what he did in the situation. Did he just panic over it? You know, when the players were on it? Like Michael McMullen from the Gaelic Life um, Gaelic Life newspaper, he's an editor there, I think it is, or a sports writer. He was on the J-Mac podcast the other night. And he actually said, the 45 should have been taken again. You know, surely the referee would have seen Darren Mullen on the pitch, Paul Mannion at least on the pitch. And the 45 from Danny Tal maybe should have been taken again. So, But I, that would have avoided so much. Exactly, yeah. Because let's be real, like I don't think he would have done anything different. That's that's the hard people are saying, Oh, we, we don't know what would have happened if Darren Mullen had gone off the pitch. Let's be real, right? That last ball was gonna be one that was flowed into the square. Mm-hmm. That was gonna be one that was gonna be flowed into the square. Darren Mullen is not tall enough to compete with a Connor Glass or an Emma Bradley. So it, it would have been floated in on, on the square anyway, whether he was there or not. And like because I think it was Danny Talon that took the kick, wasn't it? I don't think Danny looked up and was like, "How many Crokes lads are on the pitch?" Like I, he was gonna fire that ball in, regardless. And like, that's what, that's what you know would you know, if Crokes lose this game from here. I mean, because let's be real, right? There's a precedent there. What happened? The only time in my memory that this game was was replayed, Offaly Clare, 1998. Who won the replay? Offaly. And Claire would have won that game if a, if the ref had done his job correctly. So maybe a dangerous omen for Kilmuckle Crokes here. Huge dangerous omen there. And uh, what this reminds me of, like if you're talking about recent memories, is probably the load and beef game. And that didn't yeah. go to a replay. I mean, well, like, how it didn't is beyond me. Yeah. Like, how it didn't. I don't get to this day why that game wasn't replayed. It was, look, the other thing as well for me. Like, okay, I don't mean to insult any loud people here, but Meath would have beaten Loud in the replay in that year. I do believe. I think Loud that day caught Meath on the hop. 
But Loud, like Loud had played fantastic in that Leinster Championship. They'd beaten Kildare in the Leinster, I think it was quarterfinal. And then it got into the Leinster final, deservedly so. And JP Rooney scored that goal. I genuinely thought Loud were going to win. And Mees were pressing them at the end. This was a Mead side that had just put five goals past Dublin in the Leinster semi-final. Like Mees probably would have won the replay. So why Mead didn't offer the replay is still something to this day that confuses me because you could have won all the people back. You could have, you know, shown as a, you know, a good sportsmanship move there to offer to replay the game and you probably would have won it. And it would have prepared you more for the game against Kildare in the quarterfinal, which they ended up getting hammered in. And not only that, everyone was against them in that quarterfinal. Everybody wanted them to lose. And, from that point, Mead became public enemy number one for a lot of teams because of that situation. I think Croaks, Luke made this point on our podcast there. Um, Luke said, as frustrating as it would be for a Kilmacud lad, he would want another shot at this. He would want to, well, all right, we'll do it again. Because now, if the GEA doesn't replay the game, everywhere the Kilmacud Croaks go, like everywhere, and if they say they've got a club All-Ireland medal, They'll just be, oh, yeah, but you just cheated. You just won with 17 lads on the pitch. Like, that's going to stick with them. And the top comment under every Instagram post, if you watch, is, is something like 16 brave Kilmacud men. Or so. Like, it's already sticking. And that means that they have to do it again, in my opinion. That means, like, to erase all doubt that you are the best, you have to go and do it again. Yeah, it's it's, it's very unfortunate for Kilmacud. I know, like, the difference between the mid and low game and this game the Meath game, I think, was blatant cheating. Like, Joe Sheridan, yeah. like, it was a blatant foul. Anybody could see he yeah. threw the ball over the line. And, with and not only game, that, Matthew, not only that. Do you know the original ball that was played in? Hmm. Yeah. Seamus Kenny was in the square when that ball was played in. That was a square ball, number one. Yeah. So it should have been a free out before Seamus Kenny took the shot that Paddy Keenan blocked. So... Seamus Kenny in the square, he catches it, Paddy Keenan blocks it, Joe Sheridan gets it and throws it in the net. So there's two fouls there that should have been a free out. Yeah. And, and neither of them were given. Neither of them were given. Exactly. Unreal, and it, like. it, it, it just kind of baffles you that that decision, you know, wasn't replayed afterwards. That game wasn't replayed. And this game was. And like I was hearing reports, maybe they're on read reports or something like that, but I was hearing Robbie Brennan was actually screaming at the two lads, Mannion. Well, not Mannion, I think he was making his way off. But Darren Mullen especially, get off the pitch, you know? Yeah. So, like, if that was the case, Kid McCord deserved to win it. There, there was no doubt about that. Lane missed goal chances, goal chance after goal chance after goal chance. There was one with Stevie O'Hara where he should have passed it across. Connor Glass had a goal chance. A brilliant. And, and putting this into memory as well, Connor Ferris as well, he made an mm-hmm. unbelievable save from Connor Glass to redeem, you know, conceding a last-minute goal to Kilku last year. And that could be white now. You know, yeah, it's like, yeah, that's it, what I mean. It, like Luke mentioned that as well. That it was the perfect redemption arc in a lot of ways for Conor Ferris. That it was his mistake last year giving the ball away to Kilku, which then led to the Kilku goal, which won them the All Ireland. This year, he makes an amazing save from Conor Glass to stop the ball going into net. And make no mistake, to a degree, he has already redeemed himself because. If that ball goes into the back of the net, Wally Graham's going to win the game. 
And then the whole 17 Crokes lads on the pitch just becomes something that you would see on GA banter pages. It would be Crokes couldn't even win with 17 lads on the pitch. Like that's what it would have turned into. So Ferris has saved Crokes one way or another. Yeah, he has definitely. And uh, I suppose again, a few a few things I wanted to talk about. Like um, the main thing in this episode is to talk about the Alliance League, but we have to talk about this as well. You mentioned. A lot of people wanting Kilmacow to lose off air as well. And this tweet from Colin Barker said, if you don't follow him on Twitter, uh, follow him. He's a, a lively character. Uh, he tweeted there, no one is thinking of Kilmacow players. The hatred of the Shade Walsh transfers fueling the mob. The heartbreak of last year, the dignity they showed in defeat, celebrated the win for three days, only for Glenn to object on Tuesday night at 11pm. What a mess by the J and Glenn. Like, I take Colin Parkinson's point there, absolutely. Like, they're going out on Monday club, Kilman Court, and they're, you know, they're hung over, I'd say, on the Tuesday and the Wednesday. And then they're informed by the G and Glenn, look, lads, you have to play the match again because of um, a miscommunication on the pitch in the last few minutes of the All-Ireland final. I mean, like, like there, some sympathy has to go with Kilman Court here. I know a lot of people will be would have been against them. They wanted the underdog to win in Watty Graham's lane. And there was a lot of controversy over the Shane Walsh transfer. But you have to be empathetic towards the Kilmer Cup players as well. Yeah, you put it perfectly. They'd already stirred the pot with the Shane Walsh transfer. That was... And it, one thing that did I did say at the time was that was only a big deal because it was Shane Walsh. It was a guy who'd kicked nine points in the All-Ireland final and looked a million dollars. This is something that's been going on in Dublin for years. Like years. Nafina won two Dublin All Ireland no, two Dublin titles, sorry, at the start of the two thousands, but Kieran McGinney from Armagh in their team, the centre half back and one of the best footballers, if not the best footballer in Ireland at the time. All Ireland winning captain, and he was playing for Nafina up in Dublin. You go back to the start of twenty ten, St. Vincent's won a string of Dublin titles. They had Brendan Egan from Sligo, Enda Barley from Mayo, Joe Feeney from Armagh. Like a handful of lads from other counties. Then if you go to Ballyboden, when they won the All-Ireland, they had Paul Durkin from Donegal in goal, who was crucial to that All-Ireland success. Oliver Plunkett's have had Paul Galvin, Nesty Smith, Tomas Corrigan, Kieran McKeever, Parnells. How many lads did Parnells have? Colin Parkinson, Colin Begley, Connor Mortimer. So many lads. This has been an issue in Dublin GAA for years. And now that Shane Walsh made the transfer, everyone all of a sudden was saying, oh, this can't happen in the GEA. Like, like, I did feel for him because his profile harmed him a lot there. And he was getting booed in the Dublin final when he was playing against Nafina and stuff like that. Like, for an individual player, like, that trek from Galway to Dublin is heavy. And, like, I would be... Like, he he lives in Dublin, like. that. That's more of a kind of the way Ireland... And a structured problem that Dublin is the place to go for a lot of people to to get work and to work and to live, and obviously that's a, another discussion. But like, that's where Walsh needs to go. So it would make sense that he would want to play his football there. Now I guarantee it wouldn't have been as big a deal if he went to a smaller club in that area. But it was the fact that he went to the Dublin Champions. <laughs> he went to the Dublin Champions and probably as close to a professional club as you'll get in the GAA. Like, they are such a well-run club. The numbers that they have, they are in an affluent area in Stalorgan and Kilmacud. It's a very nice area. And 
yeah, they just come across really polished, like a really polished club, like very professional. And the fact that then Walsh went and rubbed salt in the wounds by being the difference in the Dublin final against Nafina, because he was the difference. He kicked crucial points at crucial stages and helped get them over the line. That rubbed salt in the wounds, and they had a target on their back for the rest of the championship. And the fact that Kilmacud, of course it was Kilmacud that the game ended like this with. It like, would never have been Waddy Graham's Glen that the game ended like this with. Um, yeah, like you mentioned it perfectly there. Like I feel, I really do feel for the for the Shane Cunninghams, for the Dan O'Briens, for the Theo Clancy's, for basically everyone on the team. I do feel for them because, as as I said, I don't think it was a malicious act of cheating. I don't think it was they that they, you know, were thinking, oh yeah, that they're gonna, gonna we're gonna sneak an extra man on the pitch. I don't think they were doing that. Like I just think it was pure miscommunication and just a mess in terms of the management on their part. And just a really bad decision to make those substitutions anyway. And I feel, most of all, I feel for Conor Ferris. Because obviously we talked about his redemption arc. It might mean nothing <laughs> if they go and lose this uh, if they go and lose this replay. Um, like at the end of the day, with the hatred towards... If there is hatred towards Kilmacud players, that's too far. If there's hatred towards like just an amateur club player that just went out there and just did his best for his club, that's bang out of order. Like, that's bang out of order. These are amateur players that, you know, have given a tremendous amount of uh, effort to the game. And they've produced some wonderful performances along the route to this game. And they deserve credit for how far they've got. It was not a malicious act of cheating. And, yeah, like, I wish them all the best in the replay and made the best team win again. And, yeah, like, so I completely agree with you. Any act of hatred or, you know, towards something like that towards a chemical players bang out of order especially someone who had nothing to do with that incident exactly so and uh, probably one of the last questions i was going to ask you because it, this has been you know talked about before even january when the pitch was used for leinster semi-finals in crow park it was used for other games in crow park yeah, maybe it should have been left alone there was uh, people saying and stuff like that and now before the finals, even before actually the junior final last week between uh, Fossa and that Tyrone crowd and then the intermediate final, to me, the pitch looked an absolute mess. It looked like sand, basically. And this is probably one of the, well, probably one of the best stadiums in the country, you know? And the pitch looks an absolute disgrace. Now, there's been calls for, um, you know, uh, the final to be held in Breffley Park, I believe, as well maybe Park Talton and stuff like that. What do you think of that? Do you think that's the right call to make and let the Crow Park pitch recover from, um, you know, looking so terrible? Potentially. Um, I didn't really notice too much myself. I wasn't really looking at the pitch, I have to be honest. Um, if it's a, If it's a bigger problem with how they are dealing with the pitch, then maybe look at the likes of, like, Semple Stadium to me is beautiful pitch in terms of like its condition constantly it's always an amazing condition like if it's a bigger problem with how the pitches run maybe the GEA should Im- implement the same strategy that they use on Semple Stadium on Croke Park you're right maybe it is being overused maybe the fact that uh, there's been at half a dozen concerts on the pitch as well in that time like maybe, maybe that doesn't help as well but like look I uh, I obviously I heard the comments made by Ballyhale Shamrock's manager, you know about the state of the pitch, and um, it's a tough one. 
it really is a tough one to know what to do. Um, maybe for the for the general sake of the replay, like imagine the atmosphere if they played the game in, in a in a more of a a ground down the country like a Port Talton. I mean, the atmosphere there would be incredible because they would fill that stadium. Like me and you were saying this off air before we started, like this could be very comparable to the Kildare Mayo game that went to like the Newbridge or Nowhere thing where it went from being a qualifier to being one of the most anticipated games in the country that year because it had the hype and it had the storyline. This has one hell of a storyline now, this game. <laughs> like you have the game being replayed. Kill McCord are going to be fired up to take this now, okay? Because it's they're going to have a real siege mentality of, right, everyone's against us. We're going to go and win it anyway. And what he went again, they're going to feel like they have the whole country at their back and they've been given a second chance to go and win it. So it will be an epic final. And if they play it in a, in a, in a ground down the country, I feel like the atmosphere could be incredible. So, yeah, maybe, maybe switch up the scene, maybe go somewhere else. But if the pitch can be ready, I would say play it in Croke Park. But maybe a couple more inspections beforehand. Exactly. So well said, yeah. And uh, hopefully we'll get a good game now with no referee mistakes now in the replay. And hopefully the base team comes out of it and wins it. And change the fourth official. Exactly, yeah. <laughs> that's that's the main thing here. That is the main thing, yeah. yeah. Uh, exactly. But uh, yeah, we're, uh, we've gone long enough about uh, the club championship now, the dramatic circumstances behind that. When, well, um, people may seem to forget the Allianz League is starting this weekend. With a few tasty encounters in Division 1, starting off on Saturday night, we have Monaghan against Armagh in Castle Blaney at half six, live on the BBC iPlayer. If you're in the Republic of Ireland, if you're in the UK, you have to tune in. Well, on the BBC, well, if you're in the Republic of Ireland, you tune in on GA Go. If you're on the UK, you tune in the, on the BBC iPlayer and get your TV license. So, um, yeah, it looks a very intriguing game. Monaghan going in with a new coach in Vidi Corey. Uh, lost against Down in the McKenna Cup. I think they lost to another team as well. Armagh went out early in that competition as well, but didn't play Reno O'Neill particularly um, in recent in recent games. I think the last game he played for Armagh was against Galway. So, yeah, it should be an entertaining encounter. But the general consensus hearing from this game, Monaghan will struggle this season, and Armagh look to be one of the top three or four teams in the division this season. Agreed. I think Armagh, like, I think this year is the year for Armagh where I think if they're going to win an All-Ireland with Kieran McGinney, it's this year. I really think so. I think, I believe that if they had a got past Galway, I believe they would have beaten Derry in the All-Ireland semi-final. They would have got to the final against Kerry. Potentially controversial, Derry, correct, were also champions. But you watch how easily Galway dispatched them in the semi-final. I think Armagh would have got over the line in that game. They would have kept been carrying serious momentum with them into that game. Um, and then it would have given Kerry a right good rattle in the final. I really believe so. They would have come with that um, confidence that Ulster teams tend to have against Kerry. I mean, we saw Tyrone in the 2000s, every game they played against Kerry, they stuck their chests out and went in as if they were the top dog and they won those games. Armagh have a brilliant, brilliant team. Like a brilliant team. And they've really, really supplemented it well. Ethan Rafferty moving into goal has worked a treat. They've got a fantastic defence there. Jared Doug Burns, I've said it time and again, is one of my favourite players in the country. The way he attacks from left half back, he just is a constant threat. They've got very strong midfield options. Ben Creeley, Niall Grimley, Stephen Sheridan, Connor Mackin, whoever way they rotate them. They're very strong there. Rory Grugan's a beautiful playmaker. 
Reno O'Neill, one of the best forwards in the country, I think. And then, you know, they've supplemented that with the likes of Aidan Nugent, Jason Duffy. Like, and then you still have the unknowns. I, I'm speaking this now off the top of my mind, but do you know what Ushin O'Neill is up for this year? Is he is he injured or is he playing? Not sure. Not sure. He could but be, it, he, he was one that he had serious potential. And if he comes back in and manages to get, you know, fit and into his stride, he's an elite footballer there for Arma as well. Um yes, Stefan Campbell, another one of my favourite players. The way he the way he plays is a joy to watch. Arma looked like they turned a corner last year, beating Donegal and beating Tyrone in the qualifiers. They looked awesome. And then that game against Galway was one of the best games that I've seen. And they never quit. They never said die. And they managed to pull themselves back into a game that I thought was completely dead and buried. Um, Yeah, I think they've had one more year now to implement what they want to do. And I think the way that they beat Dublin off the pitch in the first round of the league last year really sent a statement. And I can see them doing something similar here against Monaghan, who do have a lot of lads coming through. I mean, you're David Garland's. Your Michal Bannigan's, Conor McCarthy's, Aaron Mulligan's, these lads have been coming for years, but they're coming up against an RMA side that, in my opinion, is a few years ahead of them when it comes to the development of what they want to do. Monaghan have lost Drew Wiley, Colin Walsh, you know, vast experience in both of those guys. And Corey now, the fact that they lost in the McKenna Cup a couple of times. And now they're starting this against an arm side that will have the bit between their teeth having fell short by such a narrow margin to Galway, who then went on to the all Ireland final. I can see Armagh winning this game and, and by about three or four points, I'm going to say. Just before we leave this game, actually, um, just a comment about Monaghan as well, like Vinnie Corey coming in as new manager, uh, their side at the Ulster draw, I think they have Tyrone in the quarterfinals as well. A lot of people are thinking they'll go down. It's kind of a situation with Monaghan like a lot of people predict them to go down, and then at the end of the league they stay up. Do you think? Do you think it'll be wrong yeah, to say this, or have they used up their nine lives? I'm gonna say they've used up their nine lives. Brave, I know, but I'm kind of immediately I'm looking at Monaghan and Roscommon and thinking, oh, it's gonna to be tough for these two now because like a lot of teams around them, like Galway coming up, are, are guaranteed that Galway are gonna stay up. I'd be stunned if Galway go down. Um. Yeah, Division 1 would be tough. Donegal could be one where, you know, that, that could be a bit all over the place there. You never know. Michael Murphy's retirement, obviously, how are they going to cope with that? And over the last few years, they have been the most inconsistent team I've seen in the country. Like, one day they're brilliant and the next day they don't turn up. Um, So, it'll be interesting to see how they go. But, yeah, I think it's going to be tough for Monaghan now to get out of this. Obviously, Jack McCarron has performed heroics. I think is it is it two years in a row that Jack McCarron has kicked the point that has kept Monaghan in Division One. Like it, it's been remarkable at it. Um, but yeah, I, I just I feel like look, unless another team does what Dublin did last year and just completely drops the ball and just doesn't turn up for the league, I think Monaghan are in trouble this year. And I, like I don't see them finishing in the top four anyway. I see them battling relegation and maybe they'll survive. But, uh, you know, Conor McManus is only getting older. And these lads, like, that have done it for them before, they can't keep relying on them to do it. It's time that for the likes of David Garland, for the likes of Aaron Mulligan to really step up and lead the way this year, or, or they will be in trouble again. Yeah, I couldn't have put it better myself. Like, yeah, they do have exciting players, but it looks but uh, David Garland has scored, has scored as we as we recorded this. So he, he scored 2 eight. In the Sigurdsson Cup so far, and most of them from play, like he's been absolutely incredible. Beyond Bannigan, he was tidy for DCU as well. 
yeah. he's been coming for years like he has been yeah he's a very very good player Michal Bannigan Aaron Mulligan's a bit of a strange one like two years ago he was outstanding last year he didn't contribute as much but like there is the feeling if Conor McManus isn't there for Monaghan like where are the scores going to come from well we'd name forwards there but the problem is they don't step up when counted. When you look at Armas forwards, when you look at the likes of Connor Turbot coming through the ranks, when Reno Neal is not there, Ross McQuillan even has chipped in with a few. Jamar Hall has chipped in with a few points, including a late point against Galway. So there is players uh, chipping in for Armas all over the field as well. And I, I, this coming to my mind as well. Against, I think Armas first became a cup game. They had 14 different scores. And that was without Reno Neal in the team. Like, it probably yeah. just shows... The vast um, quality around the Armand team, not just the forwards, but off the bench as well. Yeah, agreed. And the other thing is, is that if you actually look back a few years ago, Armand's team is very different. Like they have now had a few years where they've been building in their system. Monaghan under Banty were so weird in terms of their selection of players. Like Monaghan would, you know, they'd find a corner forward like Conor McCarthy or Stephen O'Hanlon. And the next game that you'd watch, like they'd be playing wing back, you'd be like, "What's going on here?" <laughs> like he played them in such weird positions. He moved Conor McCarthy out and played him at right half forward, etc. Like it was just, what is Corey going to do with them now? Is Corey gonna, and then who does he choose? Because off the top of my head, there have been a lot of forwards that have played for Monaghan over the last few years that have all you know been given a a substantial run in the team. Like we mentioned. Um, like off the top of my head, we've got Gary Mohan, we've got Conor McManus, we've got Conor McCarthy, Jack McCarran, Shane Carey. Obviously, Ryan McInespy has played in the forwards a lot. Michal Bannigan, Aaron Mulligan, Andrew Woods, Sean Jones. Like, who's he going to pick out of those six? Like, to, to make six, sorry, who's he going to pick out of those lads to be his six? And who's he going to put on the bench? Because does is this the year where Monaghan don't start McManus? Is this the year where they don't start him in the championship? And and I didn't even mention David Garland there after we talked about him. But is this the year where you know they go with a full forward line of Conor McCarthy, Gary Mohan, and David Garland, say, and put Jack McCarran at centre forward? Is this the year? And then they bring Conor McManus off the bench. I think if they because they're going to have to do it sooner or later. I think they need to do it actually in this league. And I think that for that I said I think they should start and then Michal Bannigan probably at left half forward for me and maybe Shane Carey on the right exactly so and I think Dara McAlarney in midfield could be one to watch as well it's a very Connor Eccles too Connor Eccles yeah some very good players in Monaghan it's a weird one they've some nice players coming up but they just didn't seem to gel last year especially the championship well albeit in the championship they were impressive against Down performed poorly against Derry and against Mayo if a few refereeing decisions went their way at Casabar, they could have easily won that game as well. So maybe we're a bit too down on Monaghan, but for this game particularly, I'd agree with you. I'd go with Armagh winning this maybe by about three or four points. The next game is intriguing. Mayo against Galway, Connacht Derby at, um, at McHale Park. It's live on RT at half seven on Saturday. And um, yeah, Kevin McStay's first game of the year. And um, coincidentally, the last game he commentated on, on RT was the other of the final, which involved Galway. So like, mm-hmm. he, like he's had a front seat to see this Galway team. And this Galway team, we're without Shane Walsh now because of the Kilbacote debacle. He's going to play for Kilbacote, most likely in the other of the final as well. Comber, you would think, will be back for this game. Rob Finnerty's been playing nonstop for the Sigurdsson Cup. Then you look at Mayo, Oshie Mullins gone, obviously, down to Australia. Lee Keegan's retired. 
Um, there's Robbie Henley, who I think is still harboring an injury there. So there's a few players missing on either side of the fence. But a Conk Derby, this early on in the season, on a Saturday night under lights in Castlebar, really doesn't get much better than that in the first game of the league. True, this, this would be a tasty one. This would be, there'd be skin and hair flying <laughs> at this one. Like, I mean, because, I mean, I know it's a cliche, but it's true. Like, it will just be reduced to an absolute slog fest. Like, it will be just pure heart who wants this game more. Um, I honestly can see Mayo winning this. I really can. Because it's in McHale Park. It's Kevin McStay's first game. He's going to get a bounce out of the players. Galway are without Shane Walsh. Obviously, Rob Finnerty shouldn't play this game. He's been playing every second day for DCU, basically. It's unfair on him. Same with Tom O'Callaghan. Like, he's been playing every second day for NUIG. Like, he shouldn't be playing in this game. Um, so, I feel like Joyce will leave the two of them out, which does leave them a bit depleted up front. Like, will they will they bring in the likes of Tessie Keneally, who's been smashing it for Mike Cullen? Paul Kelly as well. You know, he was very, very impressive. Ian Burke could be a bit of a curveball here. Obviously, he's back in the panel, all-star in 2018. But I think, look, Mayo have had plenty of time to kind of assess how bad they were against Kerry in that quarterfinal. Like, they were shocking. And, like, they, Kerry showed them the ceiling. And I think that was part of the reason why Lee Keegan retired, because they're, they're further away now from an All-Ireland. Well, they were further away last year from an All-Ireland than they've been I think since 2018 when Kildare bet them in Newbridge. So one of those things where they have to rebuild their mail and I think a victory against Galway. I think the second the fixtures were announced, I think Kevin McSay would have had that one pinned as one that they have to win. And I think they will. I think they'll win it by one point, two points. Um, a very low scoring, hard, tough game. And I think that would be a perfect start to his tenure. Another player that could be missing for Galway is Matthew Tierney as well. I think Carl Sweet, he's another one that's playing every second day for University yeah. of Galway. So Galway could be depleted for this game. Like Ian Burke's an interesting one. You look at the Kelly brothers, Kelly twins in uh, Sean and Paul. The goalkeeper's going to be an interesting one. Mayo, like when you look at their teams at the FBD Cup, actually, we talked about this off air. Connor Loftus playing at centre-back. Like, I don't know. I don't that's agree a bit, with that. It's, I, it's don't, a bit, I just don't. It's an experiment, though. Don't you think it's an experiment a bit? But like, is he a defender? It's an rated? experiment, yeah. On the one hand, but like, what what's your centre half back supposed to do? Defend, Defend yeah. <laughs> like, are Mayo that good? Like, can you imagine if they get to the 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 latter stages of the All Ireland, which Mayo should be aiming to do? And Conor Loftus is supposed to be, you know, the direct opposite to Sean O'Shea or Conor Callaghan. Like, it's not, I don't think it's going to work. Like, I don't really know why. Are they, are they trying to make him as like a quarterback or something where he starts to play? Because Loftus is a great, a great kick passer, sorry. He's a great passer. So are they trying to use him as that? Because if they are, well, then I'd be saying, would you not just put a wing forward and have him drop back a little bit and then have him kick passes from there? Because I think that would be a way better way to work with it. But, um, it was the same thing. Look, last year they played, wasn't it? They played Aiden O'Shea centre half back for one game. Like so, I feel like they're trying to fill a gap there. But in my opinion, now that O'Shea Mullen and Lee Keegan are gone, to me it has to be one of Paddy Durkin or Stephen Cohen to go there at centre half back. Yeah, Stephen Cohen, like how is he not centre back in this male team? I really don't yeah. know. Maybe he's just not as adventurous as McStay would want. I I don't know what's the story there. Like like. Like the thing is with Mayo as well, 
you mentioned Lee Keegan retiring, or she bullying him to Australia and stuff like that as well. We were talking about on off air about Mayo probably being one of the best defenses in the country. It maybe last year, going back even two years ago, maybe even last year as well, because Kerry only really had one goal chance. David Clifford took it superbly in the All Ireland quarter final. But now, them two lads are gone. Probably Lee Keegan was one of the most influential Mayo players in in the last in the last decade. Really, it was incredible. Oshie Mullen was incredible as well. So, like, do you think that defence will be even weakened? This year, I know the Galway forwards aren't there particularly, but once they come up against Kerry with the Cliffords, if they're back for that time, of course, you look at Tyrone, if they're back in song, you look at Armagh there. And eventually, once you get into the championship, they're playing Galway first at the kind of championship there as well, coincidentally. So, like, will their defence even be more weakened with them two losses? Oh, without doubt. Without doubt. Their whole team is... I think Mullen Lehman was another reason as to why Keegan left. I know that, like, obviously, but Mullen left before Keegan retired. And Keegan waited right up until January to make up his mind. And I feel like that's because he, he really was weighing it up whether or not to give it one more year. And then I feel like, look, Kerry showed them how far away they are from an All-Ireland last year by the beating that they put on them in the league final. And then they just beat them so comfortably in the quarterfinal. Like, did you ever think Mayo were in that game? Like, no, not really. Like, Kerry just kind of held them at arm's length. And I feel like that's when, look, Keegan was like, right, I'm not, we're not going to win it really next year. I I don't think Mayo are going to win the All-Ireland this year. Um, I think that they, it's a year of rebuilding for them. I think it's a year where they need to bring through more talented players into the side give Tommy Conroy a year to get his feet back under the table after his injury, let Ryan O'Donoghue keep taking more responsibility, bring through more lads like your Phil McDonough's and stuff and put them into the side and give them more game time. Jack Carney is a player with huge potential. Put him there in midfield, see how he gets on. Like It's time for Mayo to do that. They need to bring through these lads. Ender Hessian needs more game time. Players like that, like you need to back these lads now because clearly the team that you went with last year was not good enough to win all Ireland. Kerry showed that. So they need to think differently. And Max Day, maybe with Loftus at centre-back, maybe it could work. I don't know, because I know it's a completely different metaphor, but I remember the first time the Clare put John Conlon at centre-half back in the hurling. I wasn't a fan, because I thought he was too good in the full forward line for them to miss out on, but he's gone on to be fantastic at centre-half back there for Clare. So I don't know, maybe maybe I'll have to eat my hat at the end of the year if Loftus is there. Uh, it turns out to be an all-star number six. Maybe so. Like he could be one of the most influential players, one of the most um, you know, players that can play in many positions. He could be go down in history. There we'll have to we'll have to see. But uh, before we leave this game, just a word on Galway. Like uh, Kevin McGorty actually mentioned on the GMAC podcast as well. Uh, check it out if you haven't already. That Galway, whereas they do have very good young players coming through, there's no doubt their quality. Power Joyce is a decent coach, but he feels that Galway. Are kind of uh, there could be second season syndrome there. I don't necessarily agree with that. I think Galway are a good up and coming team. They play a nice brand of football. They're probably better than Mayo and Ross Common and Connacht at the moment. They're up there with all other contenders, as shown by the Kerry game last year. People seem to forget they were actually ahead at halftime in that other final against Kerry as well. So, do you think Galway will carry on their form from last year into this year, or will season number two be a bit too far from? Oh, no, they're gonna they're gonna still be a good side next year. Like that second season syndrome. 
that's nonsense. Like, this isn't Park Joyce's second season, Galway. <laughs> like, it's Park Joyce's, uh, I believe it's his third season with Galway. He joined, joined them in 2020. Then he had, they got knocked out. Yeah, it was 2020, wasn't it? Yeah. Yeah. yeah, so he's had the, he's already had three years with Galway. <laughs> like, they were knocked out in the Connacht Championship twice by Mayo, twenty twenty and twenty twenty one, and or was it was it Ross Common that knocked them out in twenty twenty one? No, it was Mayo both times. It was Mayo. Okay, uh, sorry, I got mixed up. Uh, the fact that Ross Common beat them twice in the league, I think that might have been it. But basically, yeah, like last year was the year where Joyce managed to get his ideas really, really, you know launched into his side and you have to think wasn't there some mad statistic that only three lads started the game against Kerry that started the All-Ireland final All-Ireland semi-final sorry against Dublin in 2018 like what Joyce has flushed this team out like he has gotten rid of pretty much everyone that played in that Kevin Walsh team and he's brought he's put his own stamp on it and that takes time that takes a couple of years now they exploded in the last eight, you know, fantastic game against Armagh, um, one of the best games I've ever seen. And they put Derry away in the semi final and they put in a great performance against Kerry in the final. And I think genuinely they'll look back on that game with regret because Shane Walsh led the way, but Robert Finity didn't have his best game. Damian Comer didn't have his best game. And they still were only four points off Kerry. So I feel like Damian Comer and Rob Finity, if they fire this year, alongside Walsh and if Tom O'Callaghan comes into his own I think they're only getting better I really think I think Galway are more of a threat for the All-Ireland this year than they were last year Yeah rightly rightly said that but uh, like Galway for this particular game I think Galway just are without too many men and um, like Mayo Kevin McStay the bounce that he'll get off these players I think Connacht Derby as well under lights in Castlebar the Mayo throw behind them I just think Mayo will win this game. It's all written to the stars for them. I think it'll be three points. But both teams, I think Galway especially will have a good season. Uh, we'll have to see about Mayo. We'll see how they progress in the league and stuff like that. We'll see how they progress indeed. And then we move on to Sunday's game of the, games of Division 1. The first of them being Ross Common against Toronto at half one in Dr. Hyde Park. This is live at TG Carr online. I'd assume this is on the TG Carr player as it says on the on the GA website there. So, um, like, this is an interesting one because Tyrone last week against Derry, I wasn't watching the game particularly, but hearing from match reports and a load of people that were at the game, Derry journalists, Tyrone fans, Tyrone were terrible in this game. And they were as bad as they were even last year, in last year's games against Armagh and Derry in the championship and in some games in the, at start of the league season last year as well. Like, Tyrone are such an up-and-down team. And even we mentioned, um, I was on the JMAT podcast the other night and we were mentioning that if Tyrone lose here to Ross Common, there could be a serious danger that it could do- go down. And it, it, is, it isn't among the realms of possibility because the Hyde is a very, very tough place to go, despite Ross Common only being recently promoted themselves. Yeah, without doubt. We could, I think Ross Common will actually eye this up as being one that they can win because like Tyrone, are, you, you said it perfectly there. They're so unpredictable. Like They win the All-Ireland and then they fall apart. Like How many players have left the Tyrone camp? Since they won that All Ireland, um, and then on top of that, all the rumors about it was Conor McKenna going back to the AFL and all this stuff that happened in the off season. I think a lot rests on the Canavan brothers here. I think the league campaign they need both of them could step out. Rory Canavan has been, you know, one of the best players of under twenty that I've seen now for a while. He could be a huge star for them. 
over the next couple of years. Um, they still have a great team. They still have a great team. They still have the makings of an All-Ireland winning team there in Toronto. They just need to get rid of whatever the hell has been going on with the, the mentality there in the back. Like, they were so poor against Fermanagh in the opening game of the league. And then Derry just put them away, like, with ease. And then knocked out pretty convincingly by our man in the qualifiers as well. Last year was a terrible All-Ireland defence for Toronto. They didn't even come close. Didn't even make it to the last eight. And didn't even make it to the final four of their province. Like, they were terrible last year. So they need to bounce back. I think they can. Um, but I'm not 100% sure that they win this game. Like, I really am. And Roscommon have the new boss there in Davy Burke. They had a lot of time with them because Roscommon have had all their club players now since Moy Cullen beat uh, Strokestown in the you know, Connacht semi-final. He's had the whole squad there. And no doubt this game against Tyrone has been pinned up on the wall. And we're going for Tyrone here because Tyrone are vulnerable. You know, all the stuff that's been said about them. I can see this. Actually, the more I talk about it, I can almost see Roscommon winning this game. Yeah. Yeah, I, I'd agree with you. I definitely think uh, it's not a shock or anything. Like, you look at Tyrone's performance last week against Derry, they were absolutely hammered out the gate. And I, I was mentioning as well on many podcasts, on Aaron's podcast as well the other night, if Tyrone are, good, are due to play Derry, if they if all goes well in the Ulster semi-final this season, and if they lose to Derry three games in a row, there'll be huge uproar in Tyrone. So that's why I feel it's mm-hmm. a huge year for Tyrone to right the wrongs from last year. Like, the All-Ireland was, was brilliant and all that, but last year was an absolute disaster what happened, especially against Derry when you go back to it. I think it was Brian Kennedy getting sent off first and then an innocuous sending off from Conor McKenna. And it was almost like the whole team just fell apart. And it was like, why, why were you playing this? The players didn't look interested. And like a lot of people were saying that Tyrone will make a comeback. But like, if they lose this game, which I agree with you, I think they lose this game because Ross Common are off the back of um, of a decent enough campaign in Division Two. The, the worry for Ross Common, in my opinion, would have been the Clare game last year. Not, not to take it away from Clare, it was incredible the way they won it. A brilliant Jamie Malone point at the end. But Ross Common were five points up, I think, going into additional time. How on mm-hmm. earth did they lose that game? I I, I don't know to this day, but. When you look at Ross Common's players, Dara Craig, we talked about Cigarettes and Cups so many times in the podcast so far. He's been a star in that for the last two seasons, and he's bound to come in this season. You look at Dermot Burta, Kieran Burta is another good player. Brian Stack's been named as captain this season. Enda Smith is another good player. Like Ross Common have some brilliant players all over the park. And you look at Davy Burke, like I was listening to Dara O'Connor over the GA Fan TV earlier today as well. And he was saying that um, the aim for Ross Common, Davy Burke is saying to the players basically, all Ireland semi-finals. You're good enough for it. And the, you know, the temperament with Ross Common over the last few years that I feel was they were happy with the Connacht and then just relaxed for the rest of the season. Whereas yeah. Davy Burke is just drilling it into them. We're good enough to reach a semi-final and we need to stay in Division 1 and keep here and go to, you know, Crow Park on a regular basis. And I think this is what Ross Common needs to progress even further. Well, you're absolutely right there. And Davy, not that not to throw any shade at Anthony Cunningham and, and Kevin McStay, but Davy Burke is a very, very ambitious coach. And if you actually, yes, he hasn't necessarily got the name of Kevin McStay when he was coming in to take the common job, but you actually watched the previous jobs that he's had. Davy Burke was manager of Wicklow and he smashed it with them. 
They got promoted out of Division 4 and they stayed in Division 3 the next year by beating Cavan and sending Cavan down. And that was that was a shock, right? People were saying, people were saying, oh, Cavan are going to beat Wicklow and stay up. And Wicklow, fantastic victory there. And then, of course, Wexford managed to get, you know, one up on them and then Burke left. And I was surprised that he left Wicklow when he did. I think it was a bit of a surprise leaving. Um, and then if you actually go back before that, he was won the All-Ireland Under-20 Championship with Kildare, with a, with a side that had the likes of Jimmy Highland, Aaron Masterson. Very, very successful there with Kildare. And I think coming into Roscommon, he'll have as much of a chip on his shoulder as these Roscommon lads will. And I feel like it could be a perfect storm. And if they want to make a statement, because let's be real, over the last few years, Roscommon have been the yo-yo of GAA. They've gone up, they've gone down. They've gone up, they've gone down. And they always seem to go up as Division 2 champions and then they immediately get relegated. It's one of the things that they always manage to go up looking so impressive and then get relegated bottom of the division the next year. And Davy Burke, no doubt his first aim will be to stay up. And if you look at Kevin McStay, when he came in, his first year in charge of Roscommon, Roscommon finished, I think it was third in Division 1. So, like, a third or fourth, but they were right up there. And they beat, you know, some good teams in Division 1 that year. Um, and that was the year where everyone was talking up how good Roscommon were. This, I think, Davy Burke will aim. And I think Roscommon actually could stay up. I think they'll be sixth or seventh. That's my prediction for where they're going to finish. I think if they do stay up, it will be by the skin of their teeth. And I think beating Tyrone could be crucial in achieving that. Exactly. So, and another job that Davy has done in recent weeks, actually, is the Secrets and Cup with Maynooth University won the Lee title in college's level as well. So, he has some CV, some CV, the man, and uh, you have you have to take his work into consideration as well. But um, you'll be predicting a Ross Common, I'll predict a Ross Common win by maybe a point or two. Will you be predict, predicting win. the same? Yeah, one point win. And you've you've talked me into that on paper. You're looking at it. I'm saying surely Toronto win this, but they've been a mess ever since that All Ireland. Victory, yeah, how they happen, yeah, and uh, like it, and then, like, you could see a Tyrone team now on Sunday, they'll turn up and beat Roscommon by 10 points, yeah, you know, they're yeah that's what's so unpredictable about yeah. them. I, I said earlier that Donegal were the most unpredictable team in the country, but actually, Tyrone give them a run for their money now, exactly. Yeah, uh, you don't know what, what's going to happen. Is Rory kind of like I was hearing some reports if Rory Canavan won't play in this game Dara Canavan's playing tonight in the Secrets and Cup as well so two of them might not be in action as well so I just feel Roscommon might have the upper edge in this game this should be a very intriguing game and uh, the last one in Division 1 is a bit intriguing but I suppose at the opposite end if if you like like Donegal our team that many people think will go down like they have new management team Michael Murphy's left Neil McGee is left they're up against the All-Ireland Champions. Kerry, it's on at 2 o'clock on TG Carr in Ballybuffet in County Donegal. But the thing is with Kerry, they're missing the two Cliffords, Shane Ryan in goal. Um, Jack Savage has gone abroad this this time out. David Moran's retired. So there's a lot of players missing for Kerry, as we see in the McGrath Cup with their second or third team. They got hammered by Cork and Parky Wren as well. So maybe this is a chance. I know Donegal are really tipped by some people to go down, including myself. I have to be honest, like him thinking about Ross Common's credentials and Davy Burke's credentials and all that. But this could be a game where Donegal, you know, target as a win, possibly. You know what? I'm going to go for a draw. I'm, I feel like Kerry have, they drew the, the opening game last year against Kildare um, with a lot of 
you know, fresh faces in the team. They they tried that ridiculous thing of putting Shawnee O'Shea at midfield, which I just don't agree with. Um, yeah, like I, I, they drew against Kildare in that game, and I, they're actually lucky to get the draw. Actually, if you watch that game back, I can see it happening again here. Where did you say the game was being played? Is Body it in? Buffet. It's in what? Body Buffet. Valley Buffet. Yeah. Okay, so that that's definitely an advantage for Donegal, and at this time of year, definitely suits their style of play a lot more, which is very hand pass heavy. But it was under Declan Bonner, but obviously now new management. Be interesting to see what they do, you know, with this Donegal crop. Michael Murphy's gone, but realistically, they needed to take the burden off him anyway. It will be a league where we're gonna need to see more out of the likes of Connor O'Donnell, where we're gonna need to see more out of the likes of Shane O'Donnell, Jamie Brennan, Oshin Gallen has been coming for years. We need to see him step up this time. Michael Langan has the potential to be a world beater. Um, so, yeah, it would be interesting to see, but I'm actually going to go for a draw on this one. Yeah, I think a lot of people are talking about a draw on this one. Like, uh, the odds are very high on a draw, actually. Um, like, Kerry, all our champions and all that, but Clifford is a huge miss. Sean O'Shea will play Grantus. Like, he, he is available for selection. David Moran, obviously, is missing for the entire season, though. So, who will they go in midfield? I'm not entirely sure. Jack Barry, possibly. Adrian Spillane. Jermaine O'Connor. Jermaine O'Connor, possibly. Like, there's a load of options there. Ockenbar, Kim... Stefan Ockenbar, could he play there? He could play there as well. Like, uh, Kerry still have numbers. Like, they do have yeah. very good numbers. But um, the two backup forwards, which worry me about Kerry, well, it won't be a worry later on in the season because they'll have Mr. Clifford back by March or April. He's on a well-deserved break now. Like, flipping mm-hmm. hell, what is he... Like in the last few seasons, or the last year or so alone, UL, Fossa, East Kerry, Kerry. He's been non-stop for the entire year. He deserves the break, definitely. Yeah, 100%. I mean, the guy is an absolute machine. I mean, that, that could be another debate, but yeah, it's well-deserved break. But you were about to say about the backup forwards. I was going to say Tony Brosnan and Killian Spillane played against Cork. And I just thought they had some nice scores, like, but I just think they looked off it that night. I don't know, was yeah. it Clifford was out? Are they just missing the main piece? The jigsaw, Sean O'Shea was out in that game as well. So he'll be back for this game, hopefully against Duddy God. So um, yeah, it should be interesting to see how they perform and maybe stamp their authority into the starting 15. Agreed, because Killian Spillane has been one that I've always kind of thought how he doesn't start for Kerry because every time he comes on, he always gets crucial scores. I mean, like obviously the first one that jumps out is the 1-1 that he got against uh, Dublin in the All-Ireland final, the original game. In 2019, had me sweating, thinking that Dublin were about to lose. But uh, and then sure, even 2020 when Cork beat them, obviously what uh, everyone remembers is the Mark Keane goal. But if you actually go back, Kerry were two points ahead. I said they were a point ahead in that game at that stage because of Killian Spillane. He kicked, I think it was three points off the bench. Really, really good scores when Kerry were completely sleeping up front. And I kept thinking, how is this guy not starting more? And then you see him start against Cork and they get hammered and he's off the pace. And I'm thinking, right, is there something with this guy that like he just he can't do it the same at the start of the game? Tony Brosnan is another one. He, he like at, in individual moments, he looks like a world beater. Mm-hmm. And then they give him a consistent run in the team and he doesn't really deliver in the same way. So I feel like this league is a massive league for both of those lads because both of them have the potential potential to be nailed on stars for this carry forward line especially when you think that look over the next few years Stephen O'Brien and Paul Ganey are probably going to retire over the next few years so both of them are going to leave gaps in this carry team 
Now, there's a lot of potential that Donald O'Sullivan, Paul Walsh, Paul O'Shea could go for those spots. But right now, Killian Spillane and Tony Burleson have to be eyeing that up and saying, I want that spot on that team. That has to be mine. And the league is a brilliant, brilliant chance for them to really stamp their mark on this side. Because as you mentioned, no Cliffords. Sean O'Shea is going to have a lot of responsibility on his shoulders. And one of these two could really help him out. Exactly so. And when you look at uh, Kerry's forwards coming up through the ranks as well, Paddy Lane, I think was a minor last year. He's absolutely incredible. Dylan Gain, he's another one coming up through the ranks from Dingle. Like they have some amount of forwards. I agree with you on both of them. Like Killian Spillane's that kind of player. He performs well off the bench. He's absolutely incredible. That game against Dublin, obviously, and the game against Cork, which he's remembered for, were both bench appearances off the, off the bench and coming onto the field. But then when he starts for some strange reason, he doesn't you know, contribute as much, which I think he needs to change in his game, like um, to get a starting burden on the team. Tony Bronson's a bit of a different one. Like I see him against Mayo in the league last year, if you go back all the way to that game in Tralee, and he was absolutely superb that day. I think he scored one three or one four from play. Like he's an incredible footballer for Dr. Crokes as well in the Kerry Senior Football Championship. He's an incredible forward as well. But um yeah, for this game, uh would you you'd fancy a draw for this game, would you? Um, yeah, I think so. I think they're both going to be cagey enough at the start of the league. Both of them are going to be a little bit off the pace and I'm going to go for a draw. Something yeah. like one twelve each. Yeah, probably that, probably that. I don't expect there to be goals in this game, though. I, I just I have really? a feeling like... Like, it depends on the weather as well. Like, we've seen so many times the weather in Bally Buffet is absolutely terrible. So, um, that could be a factor too. So, um, yeah, I'd, you know what? Because of Kerry's, Kerry's um, backup players... You know, trying to gain a burden on the starting team. I'm going to back Kerry for this game. I'm going to save one or two points. I actually think Donegal could be a major danger for relegation this year. I just think there's something about this Donegal team. They're very, very poor. And um, yeah, I think uh, Donegal could seriously struggle in uh, Division 1 this season. Uh, we move on to Division 2. And the first of the games is in Owen Bake at 3 o'clock. Derry against Limbrick. But Keith point out for this game, uh, Connor Glass and Edward Bradley are both out, obviously because of the Watty Graham's Lane situation. So um, maybe there's a chance for Limerick. But even going all the way up to Owen Big, you'd have to expect Derry to get the first two points of the board, would you? Definitely, definitely. And Derry will be keen this year to actually expand on the strength of their panel. And they still have all the slot meal boys there. You know, you're Chrissy McCaig, Shane McGuigan. So Brennan Rogers. And then on top of that, like I'm interested to see how much better can the likes of Lachlan Murray get this year. So, yeah, Derry to win this game. Limerick have looked really, really good over the last couple of years, but they did get up to Division 2, losing the Division 3 final, and Billy Lee has left now. So I'd be very worried for them in terms of can they stay in Division 2. And uh, I think they're not going to win this game. I think Derry are going to win it. Yeah, I'd agree. I think Derry will win this maybe about... Five or six points, possibly, really? just because because uh, Connor Glass and Emmett Radley, they have so much influence. If they were there, maybe it could be a 10-point margin, I don't know. But Limerick, like, they're under Ray Dempsey this year. Like, it could be an interesting year for Limerick. They could stay up. Like, there's a, I think there's a select few in Division 2 who we'll get on to later that I think there's a select few that could go down and then there's a select few that could be up for promotion, but we'll get on to them later. I think Limerick is in the former category. And um, moving on to the next game, your very own county Dublin in Division Two for the first time in I don't know how long. And um, they're 2008. facing 2008. 
Jesus, uh, 15 years. That's a long, long time. But hadn't made my communion last time Dublin were in Division Two. <laughs> really, most <laughs> things in the context, James. Yeah. yeah. Um, but um, <laughs> the first game is against their Leinster rivals Kildare. It's on at Crow Park at five o'clock live on TG Cahar. So we still have a game live in Crow Park. So it does kind of feel like Division One. Yeah, and, and Kildare, obviously, the opponents that we played in Division uh, One last year, we lost to them in that game down in Newbridge. That was a great victory for Kildare, but then we we all saw what happened when they they came to Croke Park to play Dublin in the Leinster final. They thought they could go man to man, and Conor Callaghan blew them away. They won't do the same thing, surely. Surely they won't go man to man in this game because Dublin took them apart at ease in that Leinster final. Um, it'll be interesting to see what Dublin team gets played because obviously we lost in the O'Byrne Cup, but if you look at Dublin's team in the O'Byrne Cup, nobody was starting for Dublin that will be starting in the championship realistically. The interesting ones from that side that I would love to see be given a shot, though, in the, the league, Adam Waddick of Thomas Davis is someone that has really impressed me. I would love to see him getting some minutes into him in the Allianz League because I think he really could be a good partner there for Brian Fenton in midfield. Maybe not this year, but definitely in the future. And if not, definitely very good competition for the likes of Tom Lahiff. Um, Look, I am going with Dublin to win this game. I think we'll win it by about four points. Uh, Kildare very very good management team there Glenn Ryan John Doyle Anthony Rainbow last year they nearly stayed up but it was just a bit too soon and if you remember they they played Tyrone in one game in Division 1 last year and how they didn't win it is beyond me Um, but I I think look they're definitely up there for promotion from Division 2 but I think Dublin win this game I'd probably go with a Dublin win as well, probably about uh, five, maybe maybe four or five points. I think this Dublin team uh, could, they might play a secondary team, but I think they're much stronger than Kildare. Kildare's defence will be much, um, you know, looked at this year because like they were an absolute mess in that Leinster final. And even against Mayo in that game in the qualifier, like they shot themselves in the foot twice and eventually that's how they lost the game, you know. So, that was um that was a that's a you have big to tell Aaron O'Neill that if he comes out to the yeah. midfield, yeah. Yeah. don't try take it around seven players every time. Exactly. Like, yeah. Sure, wasn't it Jordan Flynn that put the ball in the net from yeah, yeah halfway line? Yeah, like that's what I mean. So that's something they need to look at. Exactly. If you're gonna so, do an Ethan Rafferty on it, like do it, do it well. Yeah. Exactly. That's that's the way. That's always the way. And uh, before we leave this game, just about Dublin in particular, what do you expect about uh, Dublin Division Two? A lot of people are thinking they blow everyone out of the water. Fourteen points out of fourteen, easy, easy points out the gap, promoted to Division One again. But in terms of team selection, do you think Dublin can afford to, you know, rest a few players like the returning Jack McCaffrey, Paul Mannion, Conor Callaghan, all them types of players? Um, or do you think they need to play their top players in this division? In some games, they can rest them. And I, I genuinely am trying to sound disrespectful, but I, I think Dublin should be beating Loud, Limerick. Loud and Limerick anyway, without um, those lads. I think they will need them playing against Meath because Meath obviously have the new management team there, Colm O'Rourke. And if you if you like yourself a GEA, scrap watch that game because Meath are going to be pumped up with hatred towards Dublin. When they go in to play that game, and I guarantee within the first 15 minutes, there will be a fight in that game. Um, they will play. That will be a tough game. They'll need the best players to win that one, um, which I imagine we will. I agree. I think maybe Clare could be a tricky one. 
Because Claire have some fantastic footballers there, the likes of Emma McMahon, Keelan Sexton, Jamie Malone. They beat Ross Common last year when no one saw that coming. But I think Dublin really should be aiming for seven out of seven, 14 points out of 14 out the gap. We won six all Ireland a few years ago. Like, come on, like this, we can't be slipping so quick. At the time that Dublin won, I think it was Dublin won their four in a row. Derry had just got out of Division Three, Division Four. And they're our toughest contenders in this division. So have Dublin really fallen that far since mm. then? Like that's my kind of question. Probably have fallen a, a significant amount anyway. But no, we have to. You have to be aiming for seven out of seven and then division two title at the end. I think looking at Dublin's fixtures, the only one that could be a bit tricky is probably Derry up in uh, Celtic Park. That for could sure. be a pressure game. It could be a very, very tough. Game, but other than that, I think Clare, even I know Clare are a good side, but that game's on at Crow Park, so I think yeah. Dublin could run amok. And that they, I think, Lowe's in Crow Park as well. The last game of the season where Dublin could be already promoted, no, could be already done. And that game is on at Crow Park, I don't know, that should be on a parallel park, surely. Yeah, I mean, I hope it, I hope they play at a parallel park, but they won't. Um, like, <laughs> because I have to say, I love, I love. Like it was Lake Gales where they were talking about Alan Brogan and they showed one clip and it was a Dublin league match played in Parnell Park and it looked deadly like because the, the the ground was rocking for a league game. And sure, when they play it in Croke Park in the league, unless it's Kerry, there's, there's not really going to be too many people there. And there is this kind of empty atmosphere around. Look, it's good preparation for Dublin because they, they get to play in Croke Park. But I feel like more games at Parnell Park where you know the lads get to be closer to their heroes and closer to the Dublin players, I feel like I, I would kind of like to see that a little bit more. Yeah, to be honest, I would like to see games at Parnell Park. Um, maybe not the first league game against Kildare, but as the league goes on, especially against games like Lowe's, like Dublin have to play in Parnell Park just to get that kind of exposure to fans as well. Fans running onto the pitch, seeing their heroes and stuff like that. Like the David Clifford situations in junior games. Like imagine the fans coming onto the pitch and getting a, fo- a selfie with Conor Callan. Like it'd be yeah. just a memory that they live forever. Like it's it's incredible, really. But um, yeah, alas, they're all in Crow Park, and we'll have to see how that uh, progresses. And uh, the the last game that's televised actually is Cork against Mead, half one in Parky Keeve, live on TG Car YouTube for this game. So um, this is an interesting game. Mead under Colin Barrow now didn't do so well in the Oberg Cup. They didn't lose, but drew two games and won slightly against Carlo as well. Cork are, were on fire in the McGrath Cup, won three games out of three, hammered Kerry out the gap in the first day, won without any fuss really against Limerick in the McGrath Cup final as well. James O'Donoghue's been recently saying on the football pod that Cork will go up with Dublin to Division 1, so um, it's a bold prediction there. I don't know, is he just trying to you know, hype up Cork or is he actually being serious? I, I don't know what, what his uh, plan is there, but this either way should be a very interesting game. I actually think that this is the toughest one to call out of any of the games that we've said because I think they're two teams that are actually at a very, very similar stage in terms of what level I think that they're at. I think that they're two sides that are, for the last 10 years, have been miles off the pace in terms of what they should be achieving. Both these sides are GA royalty. Both these sides should be competing for All-Irelands and provincial titles. Um, Mead haven't won a Leinster title since 2010. There's no one on the Mead panel who knows what it's like to beat Dublin in the championship. <laughs> like Cork beat Kerry in 2020 and then somehow didn't win the Munster title off the back of that. Like when when is Cork's last Munster title? 
Yeah, sponsor title 2012. 2012. Like, that's shocking. Yeah. Like, last time Cork won the Ulster title, I think it was... No, I could be getting that wrong, but, like, that's such a long time ago. <laughs> like, to think about that, like... um. So times were so different the last time these two sides won provincial championships. They have to be aiming to get back in contention this year. Cork beating Kerry out the gate in the Munster preseason competition was a brilliant way to change their mentality around facing Kerry. Um, Meath are going to be eyeing up the Dublin game a lot. Like As I said, make sure you tune into that one. That would be a tasty one. Um. But I think they're both at similar stages. They both have so many forwards now that they've managed to bring into the side. You look at Cork, Stephen Sherlock, Blake Murphy, Damian Gore. You look at Meath, Jordan Morris, Shane Walsh, like, um, sorry, uh, Matthew Costello. These guys have had time now to bed into this Meath squad. And with Colin O'Rourke coming in, they're going to get a bounce and they're going to be a lot more aggressive, a lot more in your face. And so will Cork. John Cleary there, great management team there with him. And obviously Kevin Walsh there, so they'll be tight at the back. I think it's going to be a really good game, but you know what? I'm going to go Cork by a point or two. Yeah, I I probably go Cork as well. Like this could be a very interesting game. But uh, just to get your thoughts on um James O'Donoghue, his prediction on the football pod. I'm sure you've heard it. Cork to go up ahead of there. Well, he said. Well, I don't want to paraphrase it too much now, but he said. If Cork go into the last game against Derry, having won every game other than the Dublin game, which is a write-off, they would be on, I think it's 10 points out of a possible 12. And they're going into the same points as Derry. And if they win that or draw that, depending on the points difference, they could easily go up. What do you think about that? Like, Is that a, um, a, a smart prediction? Or what do you think James's uh, thoughts are there? He's writing off Kildare way too easy. He's, he's Ryan off Kildare. Like, Kildare are a good side, and we haven't really got to see them at their best now for a while. Um, you look at how well they did in Division 1 last year, drawing with Kerry. They should have beaten Tyrone. They did beat Dublin. Like, Kildare are a good side, and they will give Cork a right good game. And um, I think to just say that Cork will, will beat Kildare is a bit... It's definitely overlooking a very, very good team, put it that way. And... Um, then I'm sure Kildare beat Monaghan as well, didn't they? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, so th- there you go. Like, if Monaghan were in Division 2, would he be saying that Cork would beat Monaghan? Like, I don't think so. And if you actually look back over the last two years, Clare and Cork have always had a, a really tight game, no matter who's on the up or who's on the down. Like, there was a few years ago where Clare were, I think it was 2021, where Clare had to beat Cork to get to play against, I believe... It was like to avoid playing against Mayo in the Division 2 promotion game. They had to beat Cork to do it, and Cork beat them. And this is a Cork team that was collapsing that year. They were so bad that year. They still managed to beat Clare. But Clare and Cork always have a good tussle. They always raise their level to play against each other. So Clare will no, no chance be an easy game for Cork either. Um, Derry on the flip side. I think Derry are a little bit ahead of Cork right now. So to say that Cork will go up ahead of Derry, I wouldn't agree with that, but I would put Cork as the promotion contenders. I would put Cork in the top four. Yeah, I, I would as well. I definitely would. Like it, Considering the Kildare game is on in Newbridge, but James's reasoning behind saying Cork would win is Cork like the tight space. But I'm thinking like Kildare, have, it's such a fortress, Newbridge. You can't yeah, just say... Yeah, Dublin Kildare. lost there last year. Yeah, And Kerry drew there. You know, I yeah. think Kerry... Be caught by about 11 or 12 points in the championship. So 
Like, I mean, it's it's ridiculous, really. I think, honestly, I've been hearing some people saying he's actually serious about his prediction. He's backing it up even on the second episode, if you haven't listened to it already as well. He's backing He's thinking that Cork will go up and stuff like that. But, geez, I think it's a year too soon. Like, John Cleary is a good manager. Kevin Walsh is a good coach. I think Daniel O'Mahony and Sean Meehan at three and six would be vital this season, especially to build that partnership. Colin McCallum in midfield as well. Connor Carpet up at the forwards for his first year at senior. So we'll have to wait and see. But this Meath game is going to be a big toss in Parky Keith. And let's not forget they are rivals themselves, Cork and Meath. Both of them don't particularly like each other as well. Yeah, so. I mean, just watch a 1990 All Ireland final. God. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> I've never seen more flying teeth. <laughs> exactly. We could see him. Punching the head off each other all game. Like they're right, they won't need much to get that rivalry going again. Exactly, yeah. Like uh, maybe YouTube, like the matches on it on uh, teaching our YouTube stream. Maybe YouTube would monetize this and say, um, say we have too many teeth flying. We'll have to yeah, cut this off or something. Like <laughs> <laughs> exactly, exactly. Dana so I will start promoting it. <laughs> Jeez, don't worry, Cork or me players. We're only just speculating. We'll, we'll, um, we'll surely we'll see a good game. We'll, we'll have very good forwards on display. I'm sure, but um, the last game of Division 2, we were mentioning Clare there. Clare against Lode, 2 o'clock at Cusick Park in Ennis. Lode, a good old Borough Cup campaign. Like, I know they've, um, you know, been the enemy. Uh, we mentioned that they were the, you know, they were, um, Meath were the enemy at the start against Lode, but Lode have kind of turned into the enemy in the old Borough Cup because of forfeited that game against Wexford. Well, eventually Longford hammered them in that old Borough Cup final, thanks to Desi Reynolds scoring 3-3. Clare are bringing in new players now. Kieran Downs, Aaron Griffin are doing so well for UL in the Sigurdsson Cup. Colin Collins staying on for a 10th year or so. You'd have to feel, I think, Clare will stay up. For Lowe, though, it'll be a relegation scrap. Yeah, and I'm going with Clare to win this game. I think they have very good momentum behind them. Losing David Tuberty, obviously, all-time top Allianz League score. Huge respect to him. What a legend he is. Um. But yeah, I am going with Clare to win this game anyway. I think they're going to beat Loud. Loud need to use this league to try and find other forward options other than Sam Mulroy, someone that can kick three or four points a game because Mulroy is the top scorer in all competitions, as we found out on Aaron's quiz when we both went for other people. But um, Mulroy does everything for Loud. Like he really does. He does everything for this Loud team. If you look at it, if Loud score one twelve, Sam Mulroy scores eleven points or something like it. He does everything for them. So they need to use this league to kind of take some of the burden off of him. And I think even if they go down, but they've managed to unearth another go to forward, I would be happy enough with that because like um I don't know, I like I, I've gone blank on it. Is Mickey Hart their manager this year? That's a stupid yeah. question, but yeah. he is. Yeah. Wasn't there links that he was gonna go elsewhere? I didn't hear any links, to be honest with you. I think there was, I could be completely wrong, but I heard there was, I thought there was a rumour that he was going to go. Oh, that was going to Schlockneil in Derry, I think. Schlockneil, yeah. Yeah. And I'm like, okay, so, you know, is his heart fully in it? You know, (laughs) like, is he, was he eyeing up the Schlockneil job? And now he's sticking around with Loud. Like, there are good footballers there in Loud, but Division 3 was, you know, winning Division 3 was an amazing achievement, but Division 2 is a shark tank this year. And Limerick and Loud are looking like dinner to the likes of Dublin and Derry. So I think Clare, Clare will know. What's the thing about the magic six points? Clare will know that realistically their best bet of getting to six points is to beat Loud and Limerick. Yep. And 
I, they're not going to mess around and I can see them being loud in this game. Especially in Cusack uh, Park and Ennis as well. Rarely clear lose there mm-hmm. and to lose the load. That would be a bad start to the league campaign. So yeah, I back Clare as well. But if they lose, if they lose, they're down. Yeah. Yeah. If they lose, Clare are down. Yeah. They yeah. have to win this game. Have to win this game. I think it should be an easy two points, but we'll never know about uh, the Division 2 campaign. Um, I suppose we'll move on to Division 3 as well. You were talking about Division 2 being a shark tank. Division 3, I think, is probably one of the most intriguing divisions. Like any team could finish second or they could finish fifth. I, I don't they could even go down. Like it's an incredible, incredible um versatility in positions with um these teams. But what we're gonna do with division three is we're gonna pick out two games and talk to in a bit mm-hmm. of detail, and then in two games we're just gonna pick one. So one of the th- games where we're just gonna pick a winner is Fermanagh against Longford. That game is on in Edgeordi at two o'clock on Saturday. Pick a winner of this game, Longford winning the O'Burn Cup, of course, Fermanagh, good young players coming through. Who do you think will win this? Fermanagh. Yeah. Well, I'm going to go bold. I'm going to go Longford for this. I think the O'Burn Cup uh, will stand to Longford. Um, the, the next game on Saturday, we're going to talk beaten dip, Tipperary against Down, Simple Stadium, Turles at six o'clock. Like, this Down team look good at the McKenna Cup and Kevin McGorty actually mentioned on the JMAC podcast Conor Laverty is the best coach in Ireland at the moment. I know that's a big, big, big compliment to him. Like, he's done so much work with Kaku, like, uh, organising that team. It will be a hard task to go down to the Torres to play Tipperary, who have been up and down in the last few seasons. Like, they won the Munster title in 2020. Obviously, newly promoted to Division 3, but, like, down, the signs are good for them. Yeah, and I'm going with them to win this game. I think, like... Laverty's done an exceptional job because you think of the amount of negativity that was around Down last year. Like the comments from Eugene Brannigan about how he's never going to play for Down and like the amount of players that left the panel following their defeat in the Ulster Championship. Like the likes of, wasn't it? Like the, the likes of Ryan McAvoy and like key players were leaving the team. And now there's a real air of, you know, confidence around them. They won the McKenna Cup. I'm going to go with them to beat a Tipperary side that are very inconsistent, to put it lightly. Yeah, I'd probably go the same. I'd probably go with Down. And Down could have a big year. Maybe an Ulster final appearance. We'll have to wait and see. I think they're the same side. I think if you look at how Derry did it, like I think Down are actually my pick to go up. Yeah, they probably are. They're they're my team to finish first in all honesty. I think they're a pretty good uh, unit at the moment. The Kilku players are slowly coming back, slowly but surely. Andrew Gilmore there in the forwards. You have Rory O'Hagan, I think, as well. Like, like Down have a lot of young players that they won the under-20 Ulster in 2021 as well. So you could see the talent coming up through as well. So I'm going to say Down will go up. And we wouldn't have thought that last year when they were under James McCartan, but Down look a serious, serious prospect this season. Um, another game we're going to talk in a bit of detail about is the repeat of the Tottenham Cup final last year. Westmead against Cavan, 2 o'clock in uh, Cusack Park in Mullingar. Westmead won on that occasion, largely thanks to Kieran Martin's unbelievable goal in Crow Park that time. But uh, Cavan duly promoted Westmead, you were thinking, how did not go up last year? You're thinking, surely after winning the Talty Cup, they're going to go up. Do you think they're going to go up, Westmead? Is this the year where their team goes up? Obviously, Jack Cooley's left, Desi Dolan's come in, so a bit of change. I think it's between these two. I think it's between, I think whoever wins this game would then be my tip to go up. I think it, like right now I would be leaning. Oh, I don't know. Because Jack Cooney's left. Jack Cooney's such a good coach. Like, he really got the best out of that Westmead side. I think leaving at the end of winning a Tarleton Cup was a perfect way to go. Um, Cavan, I knew that, like, 
oh, I don't know. I feel like I could see Cavan winning this because, like, to get revenge. But then again, Cavan, last time I predicted Cavan to do well in Division 3, they got relegated. Like, so it's like, it's a bit unpredictable to know. And Cavan are so unpredictable. What team is going to show up? Even the way that they won Division 4 was, like, weird. It was like they won it, yeah, but, like, you think Tipperary hit the crossbar in the last minute and, like, they just did it in almost unsatisfyingly. Like, they, they didn't really look as confident as I thought they would. I thought they'd blow out Division 4. Mm-hmm. Um, and they just didn't. Um, They just kind of won every game by, like, two points and then just crept out of Division 4. Um, I'm going to go with Westmeath, Mullingar, Cusick yeah. Park. But I, I don't know. It's going to be a tough one to call, isn't it? Like, Thomas Galligan's definitely out for Cavan this year. He's a huge, yeah, that's a massive there. Blow. Massive blow. Like, Paul Faulkner's still there. I think Raymond Galligan's still there as well. They still have very good players. Paddy Lynch, I think, is going to be injured for this game as well. So that forward yes. trip might be gone as well. So I just gonna, I'm, I'm just going to edge it to Westmead. And I agree with you. I think it'll probably be down Westmead to go up. But I think it'll be only slight. That's a, like, them two look mm-hmm. very, very good so far. So I'm going to go um, down Westmead to go up. And I think Westmead will win this game, especially with the Mulligar crow behind them and um, the last game of Division 4 Antrim against Offaly on in uh, Cargill Park at 2 o'clock uh, one word who's going to win this Offaly yeah agreed I think Antrim could be a big big bother here uh, to go down like Andy McIntyre's in there in the beginning they left Offaly don't look too great either like Johnny Maloney's left that's a big big blow to them but they should be able to win mm-hmm. this game surely to surely they'll win this game um, and then we're moving on to Division 4. The two games that have Saturday night, we're just going to pick a winner out of these games. So Carlo against uh, Wicklow on and Carlo at 7 o'clock on Saturday night. Winner? Wicklow. Yeah. No shame combo. Yeah, absolutely. Like, he's a brilliant coach, isn't he? Unbelievable. And you look yeah. at Owen Darcy coming up, Kevin Quinn, very good players. And Carlo had the worst defensive record last year in the whole Alliance League. And that was in Division 4. They were in Division 4. So yeah, doesn't look good for Carlo, I don't think so this year. Um, the next game, Wexford against London on at Wexford Park at seven o'clock on Saturday night. Wexford. I'm gonna go bold, I'm gonna go London. Yeah, I mean yeah. last year. Yeah. Yeah, I, I, know what to do. I think London will struggle, but I think Wexford are just so up and down. Like I predicted them to go up last year and they go ahead and finish what was it, fifth or sixth? And you, who is like, Wexford's coach? It's is uh, John coach? John Hager, no. former coach of Shell Leaders. Okay. So I, I wouldn't know too much about their preseason. Like it Wexford have fallen off so much from where they were ten years ago. Um yeah, I don't know. I would go with them to win this game, but then again, you saw the scouts that London took last year, like they'll be keen to build on that. Yeah, it should be a very interesting game. All right, we're going for different teams there, but uh yeah, I think both teams won't be troubling promotion too much. So, look, they're just going to be in Division War, just wallowing there. And um, the next game, Leitrim against Watford, one o'clock in Carrick on Shannon. I think I know who you're going to go for here. Yeah, Leitrim. Yeah. Yeah, I don't think any explanation needed on that one. And uh, two o'clock, we're going to talk a bit in depth about this game because Sligo, look, like they're going to top this division, Talchin Cup semi finalist. They look very good. They look on the open for Tony McAtee. Good young players coming through. The under-20s, obviously, doing so well last season. They're playing a leash side in a, in Markovic Park at 2 o'clock on Sunday that have fallen so dramatically 
three retirements in Ross Munley, Colin Bakley, and uh, John O'Loughlin as well. Billy Sheehan has a huge job in his hands. It seems as if Sligo are going an up tra- trajectory and Leach are going on a downward trajectory. Would you agree? Would you think Sligo have the upper edge here? Yeah, I'm going Sligo to win this one. Um, but that being said, look, Leach can rebuild now. They're in the they're in the basement. They have some good young players, the likes of Trevor Collins, the likes of Evan O'Carroll, the likes of Jamie Whelan. Like they can rebuild. Mark Barry's another one that impressed me for DCU. They can rebuild now. And if you're looking at the two names in Division Four, who should come up, you would definitely tip Sligo and Leash to be the two that should come up. Leitrim, I think, could be a real curveball, and so could Wicklow to Leash. I think both of those sides could beat Leash. Wicklow put five goals past Leash in the Leinster Championship last year. So I think both of those sides could be a real curveball for Leash. But I think this game should be the two teams that get promoted. But um, yeah, I think Sligo take this. Sligo look very impressive for race. But uh, like, how crucial is this thing? Is this uh, season for Leach? Like, uh, you're thinking they'll get promoted. But honestly, I don't think they'll get promoted. I think Leach from a better forwards than the, like, the likes of Keith Byrne, Paul Keeney. Oh, no, I was, I was saying that. I think if you look at it on paper, Leach should. Mm. But I don't think they actually will. I think I, I genuinely actually Wicklow or Leach from. I think one of them will beat them. I think Gushin O'Connell there. Wicklow's, a, as we mentioned, great coach. Leach from a pad now a couple of years with Andy Moran. Like I'm, I think I I'm kind of agreeing with you. I think I'm leaning towards Leitrim to get promoted. Yeah, I, I'd be the same. I'd probably go Leitrim, and uh, Leach could have a struggling year. In all honesty, um, I suppose yeah. Um, that's all the league games and the controversy surrounding the All Ireland Club final. So thank you, Seamus, for coming on the podcast today. And uh, if you're if you want uh, everybody else um, that's uh, watching this or listening to this podcast to see where play on GA is, where can we look you up? Just across all socials, just play on GAA. It's on TikTok, it's on YouTube, it's on Spotify, it's on Instagram, on Twitter. Trying to cover all the bases and uh, yeah, just loving what I'm doing so far. Yeah, great to see, great to see Seamus and yourself and Luke does so, such great work on play on GAA. Really recommend you check that channel out. Uh, thank you, Seamus, for coming on today. And um, yeah, um, that's the end of the podcast. Uh, leave a like, subscribe to the YouTube channel. Um, subscribe on Spotify and uh, follow the Instagram account and Twitter account and TikTok as well in um, in all my socials as well. So um, until the next episode, until the next preview, lads, or up until the next live stream, indeed, I did one in last weekend or so. Thank you for Fortune Favors for sponsoring um, today's show again. So um, yeah, um, I'll leave I'll leave you know um, until until the next time and until the next time, see you all then. We'll be